This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, Wolf. Yes? It's power hour time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just wanted to do that. I just you wanted to, wanted to wake me. you up. I know. I wanted. To, I, I, I wanted. To, I didn't want to. I wanted to air Elmer fudge you a little bit. You know. <laughs> Shh, I'm hunting wabbits. I'm hunting the power hour. You know. Uh, <laughs> but no, we are inside hour number two here inside the locker room, and Wolf. You know, we have Jerry Dulac coming up in the next segment. It's going to be fun with the cool breeze as he as as he wafts his way into the locker room as he does on most Thursday afternoons. Um, but, you know, this is really the Friday, you know, as Wex kind of so eloquently put it last, last uh, yesterday uh, when he was in during this hour. He said, hey, hey, happy Thursday. Happy, happy football Thursday. Uh, because, yes, the sped-up week makes everything move forward a day. But we will not rush it because Jerry Dulek will still come to us at the same time on the same day. Um, but... Before we get to Jerry Wolf, um, you know, kind of wondering, you know, Mitch Trubisky had had some good words just talking about getting a full week of practice under his belt, not the short week like he got last week, uh, being pressed into service with the Kenny Pickett injury, and then kind of getting like really two days before he he then had to come back out and play another game, uh, two practice days I should say because it was still four days away, mm-hmm. but. You know, what is your expectation, I guess, for Mitch coming into, you know, start number one, start number two for him, um, you know, second week back in this role? I mean, where are you looking for the most growth from uh, from Mitch from one game to the next? I think his decision making, his decision making is going to be quicker. It's got to be. There's no doubt in my mind. Look, the opportunity for him to be able to come in and groove those reps now is going to increase his ability to go into the game and make quicker decisions because no matter how you look at it, you can't go game speed unless you're in a game at full speed. And that's exactly what he needs to be able to up his game level. You know, you can sit there and run practice reps and, you know, you get second teamers, you know, you get yourself. Uh, and all all Mitch had, let's face it, was walkthroughs, you know, the, the week before. Yeah. So what you've got is an ability now to get a little bit more ramped up, but I think he enters into the game with more of an ability to make quick decisions, deliver the ball where he wants to, and make sure that he's running efficiently the huddle and making sure that they're in and out on time in the right formation, that the guys are lining up correctly, all the things that a quarterback has to do. Get into the game, you get greased, you get grooved, and now you move forward. And I hope and, and hope that's exactly what Mitch does, because the decision making you can't get unless you're going at it in game speed, a hundred percent. Yeah, and now you have a reference, you have film to watch. Exactly. You know, and you can and you can now slow it down and figure out where my process is. I think that's kind of one of the biggest things is when you put it on film. Yes, you're only as good as your film, but you can be better. For the next time that you get to the, you know, when you put and the next chance to put it on film. So I really like the fact that you, he can now go look at this, dissect it, talk about it, um, and, and work on a better plan with his receivers, with the O line, with the running backs, with the tight ends, and really figure out kind of 
A, they can start to get a peek into his mind as how how he's looking at his progression or what or what caused him to hurry up his progression. Another thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think another thing that really caught the Steelers off guard was a lot of the blitzing that New England was doing. And we're talking about the you know, the Steelers really being caught off guard and and getting getting caught on four-man rushes with right. six with six blockers in there. And that should never happen. A but when it does, that means that something was missed during the week in the sped up week in the short and the shortened practice amount of time. And like you said, going through it in a walkthrough pace and watching an end crash and a, and a weak side backer you know, wrap around the backside, that, that that's a lot different at game speed. I can tell you that personally. Absolutely. <laughs> As a guy. First he's there, now he's not. And where did he go? Oh my God. <laughs> you know? Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's not because you went cross-eyed. It's because, you know, he wrapped around and your tackle was not aware communicating with you pre-snap. Hey, 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 you know, crash, 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 you know, or, you know, the guard setting out to help anticipating that because maybe you saw a stack with the defensive end and the outside backer give you a key or a tip. And maybe you didn't see that as an offensive lineman to tip your tackle off to set vertical um, and, and and just keep an inside hand. Guard's going to set with you. If the guy plays into you, you take him. If he crashes across my face, then the guard's got him, and I'm going to kick out for the wide guy. Like, those are the little things that, um, as a unit, you have to be ready and anticipate those things. And I think maybe those things were missed, and maybe with this extra time, now, you don't, now you're not as surprised when you watch the Colts and you watch how they play, and you see how DeForest Buckner rushes you know, inside half, how he's trying, how he's trying to bait you and trying to draw the double team so that he can get the linebacker to come off on that line stunt backside uh, a lot easier. Those are things that as you watch film, now you can break that down because you've had more time to really digest it and dissect it. Well, I look at this defense, right? I mean, you got the Colts. They are basically, they are the opposite of the Patriots in the sense of they are very much a vanilla team. They don't blitz much. They don't run hardly any man coverage it's a lot of zone they're in the bottom 10 in run defense rather than the top five they're in the nickel 80 percent of the time you know I mean when you when you see the elements here there's an opportunity that I think it's going to be beneficial to the Steelers you know to uh, Mitch Trubisky to go in there and be able to operate and get the job done and not have some of the confusing aspects you know let's face it Belichick can do some great things the guy hasn't won that many Super Bowls because he's an idiot you know I mean the guy is is definitely yeah. a great coach and uh you know the fact is um I would expect that the Colts are going to look at some of the things the Patriots did you got to be prepared for those just like you're talking about and let me just say this too it's just like you said for people that have never been there and done that you don't know how hard it is when people are bailing out on blitzes. Like you get the double A gap, you got the squeeze, you got the wall, you got all these different calls going on. But it's not just those guys. They might come, but guys can come off the edge or not come off the edge and drop into coverage. It, it gets to be chaos in there. You know, it's a little bit crazy, and you've got to know exactly where you need to be and where your wingman is so that you can operate at a level giving him safety too as you both in tandem. Like, for instance, you know, with Mike Webster many times backside of a wall, just you got to sink a little bit and watch because you got to see anybody coming around because something going away means something's coming back. 
You know, that's that's the one yeah. maxim that I learned throughout all my years there. If there's something going away, hang tight because good chance there's something coming back at you. And that's one of the things that you just described, the, you know, the different things that you have to look for in a blitz situation and trying to go through a walkthrough and then be able to pick that up at game speed. It's pretty darn hard. You've got to be, you know, you got to be an Alan Fanica to be able to, you know, make sure that you are mentally prepared for something like that. It's not easy at all. No, and, and, it, and it takes, it takes communication. I think that's the key thing is you've got to be, you got to be vocal. And I think that's one of the things I think guys feel like it has to be a secret because the opponent is across from you. No, I don't care if the guy across from me knows what, what, what it's going to be. I may want to make sure that we know what it's going to be, right? <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> listen, don't don't keep a secret for secret's sake, right? In, in those type of moments, like, listen, I don't I don't care. We could be an APB. We could, give me a, a megaphone as long as you hear it and you understand it. We're both on the same page. Now it becomes a, a mono mono type of fight, right? Like, listen, everything's all equal. I I'm going to go out there and prove that I'm better than you, regardless of what you know and what you think you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't care if you know the call. I, I, my, my job is to whip your butt in front of you. Right. So it, it's, it's one of those things where you have to be, you know, on that same page and you can't be afraid of communication in those moments because, you know, uh, you know, when you don't communicate, that's when bad things happen, uh, especially on the football field. So got to communicate, got to be, got to be adamant of it and got to work out a plan. I mean, I can't tell you how much planning we did. I mean, with, when I was playing next to Chris at left tackle, uh, you know, it was different than when Kendall and I played next to each other at right tackle. Does Juicy um, talk at all? Know. Did he talk at all? He didn't no, seem like one of those that's guys. That's why that... I had to do all the talking. <laughs> and, 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 and it, but only time Juice would talk, Juice, Juice, we're walking to the screen. Hey, Cuss. Hey, Cuss. What's the call, Cuss? <laughs> I was like, I was like, Juice, he just, he just said the play call. It's like, yeah, I know. I know. I know. What, what, what's the call, Cuss? <laughs> like, yeah. All right, okay, okay, all right, all right. Hey, listen, we're reducing to five six. We're reducing to five six. Okay, all I right. get it. I get <laughs> to tell like, you a story. Okay, okay, it's like Juice, you're dueling. You're dueling, Deuce. Juice, <laughs> duel. Or do I need to duel? Do you want it? Do you want to kick out? And I, we just make it a fan. We just make it a fan three. <laughs> it's like call it cuss. Call it cuss. <laughs> I got to tell you this story, man, because I was talking about the '84 divisional playoff game in Denver. We're on like the two yard line. We're back in the huddle, and and Malone calls a fifteen straight, which is right behind myself and Pete Rostowski, who's playing left tackle. Okay, so we break the yeah. huddle, and Pete immediately turns to me and goes, "What's the play?" <laughs> As we're jogging the line of scrimmage, he just gave the play right, called <laughs> exactly. you know, full eye right, tight, you know, fifteen straight on three, whatever. Like we break the huddle, turn around, Pete goes, "What's the play?" <laughs> I, I, I lean towards him as you know you're jogging from about seven eight yards deep to the line of scrimmage, and I say to I say to Pete, I go fifteen straight. You know I'm trying to say it on the down low, right? Yeah. We get to the yeah. line of scrimmage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're at the line of scrimmage. You get your two point stance, and and the clock is running and everything. And all of a sudden, Pete turns to me, and goes, "What's the play?" <laughs> Again, so I step inward. Now we're at the line of scrimmage. I step to it with my back to the Broncos. My face. I'm facing Ted, or I'm sorry, uh, Pete Rostowski, uh, face mask to face mask. Right. I put my hands up there, grab his head, and I say, 15 straight." And I step back to my spot. He turns to me in total panic because this. Uh, by the way, this was Pete's. I think his second start. 
uh, ever. Okay, oh, so yeah. first first start in the playoffs. He's got cotton ball in yeah, his ears. Exactly. Yeah. And he turns yeah. to me and he in a wild eyed. He goes, "What's the play? Fifteen straight." <laughs> He yells at the line of scrimmage. And, and Carl Mecklenburg, the linebacker, and Rulon Jones, the defensive line, were standing right oh, there. Oh, yeah. And Mecklenburg goes, he goes, 15 straight. It's coming right here, boys. And he's pointing at me and, and, and Pete. And then I turn to Pete and I go, why don't you just tell him the snap count, too? <laughs> and Malone goes, timeout. We got we to gotta take a timeout. <laughs> We go back. Yeah. Pete was just total panic city, man. What's the play? Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I lost it. that was so funny. Oh, well, it's funny. Gosh. It's funny later. Yeah. yeah, funny now. Yeah, yeah. funny now. But yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that that's the moment where you just you, you like you're like, come <laughs> on, like no, it can't be this bad. No, it is that bad. It is that bad. Total panic. <laughs> Oh, yeah, my but I goodness. mean, but, but yeah, but I mean, but but that that's the that's the crazy things that go on, right? I mean, it's just you get some guys in there, they're they're so wide eyed and nervous. No matter what you say, they can't hear you. Yeah, you know. Well, first and of it's all, different from yeah. Oh, what were you about to say? I was gonna say, first of all at Mile High Stadium. If you remember, they used to have the Mile High Stomp, and they would. Yeah. It was one of the loudest outdoor venues. Back in the day, you know, and it's only gotten more so as they put up the new Mile High. But back in the day, the Mile High Stadium was so loud. I remember being in the huddle at the 50-yard line, and literally you couldn't hear um, the guy next to you. He'd have to yell so you could hear in the huddle. I mean, it was crazy. And we didn't have the silent count and everything like you guys got now, the sophistication of it. But that was really kind of crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, and and that was one of the things that I tried to uh, I tried to talk about was the RCA dome, you right. know, back in the day. You, yeah, you, you were there on the sideline. I mean, you could yes. not hear oh. anything, and they were pumping in the sound and everything. And you're sitting there, you're like, "How is this going to work?" I'm like, "Oh my god!" And we're, I'm I'm yelling at the top of my lungs at Kendall. Simply, Kendall's looking at me, just like plain faced, like waiting for the call. Like, I mean. You could not hear each other, and we were standing almost shoulder to shoulder. That's how loud it was. And so, you know, I get the lack of communication. That was before we had a snap count either, uh, before we had a silent count. It was because of that game that we actually developed a silent count. No kidding. Beca- because of that game was when we when we decided to go to the to the silent count. We watched Olin Krutz, um for the Chicago Bears. We watched his silent snap count. We watched um, – uh, uh, you know, actually, funny enough, Justin Hartwig before he came to us, oh, when yeah. he was still with the Tennessee Titans. We watched his silent count because both of them were di- both of them were different. Like Justin had the head bob, mm-hmm. and Olin Cruz had 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 the, had the swing had the swinging motion okay. where he'd look right and look left and snap, Got it. or if he'd look right, look left, look right to snap. So it was it was like a snap count where you count one, two, three, or on one and go or on two and go. So we were trying to figure out what that was, what what Jeff felt mo- most comfortable with as far as a snap count. And Jeff didn't like the rocking motion back and forth. Right. Because, you know, Jeff liked to be very, very sound and in control and very stable body. Like Jeff really practiced coming out and being explosive from, from, a, from a still position. So he didn't want that pr- prior motion. So he would work on his head bob and being intentional with it and making sure that he went all the way down, all the way back up. And didn't like short, you know, short stroke the the head bob and kind of throw guys off. You know, he wanted to develop a consistent one. So that was something that we had to work with 
um, in the process. But yeah, it, it, dude, it, it, I hate, you know, those loud stages, and then you can't hear and you can't communicate and you're guessing. And at that time, having Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney off the edge oh, and you're unsure, yes. not, not the world you want to live in. Not the world you want to live in. And that's why they, they beat us soundly that day. And then we had something for them the next time around when we saw them in the playoffs. You know, you know what is absolutely hilarious is last night, uh, Faith and I, we met uh, a, a pastor from our church and his, and his wife, um, the Mays. And we went to the Botanical Gardens last night in Pittsburgh here. You know, uh, oh, yeah, in the South nice. Hills. Little and Christmas lights? Christmas lights, yes. And you walk through. And it was hilarious because they had speakers on stands just like they did in Indianapolis. And that was playing Christmas music. And I'm sitting there looking at them. And, I, and I, I can't remember if I told Faith or not. But I'm sitting there going, this is just what they had in Indianapolis, piping sound. This is what I'm thinking last night. I can't remember if I told my bride that while we were, you know, walking along. But I'm sitting there looking at and I'm going, yeah, this is exactly what they had in Indy, piping music in. It was noise was so loud. I remember having my the, the earphones turned up to the max. If you could imagine how loud that is in your ears when you got the, the headphones, headset all t- turned up as far as it'll go. And I still couldn't hardly hear Myron and Tunch. You know, and, and Billy. Yeah. I mean, it was like crazy. So there I am thinking about it last night, and here you are talking about it today. It was just kind of hilarious to me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I mean, it, it, and it's it's funny to to look back on those moments, but I mean, that's where the origin of like the silent count for the Steelers began. It began because of that game. All right, so Wolf, we're gonna we're gonna step aside because we got to make sure we got plenty of room oh, to let man. the cool breeze breathe out here <laughs> on this next segment. So we're gonna step aside. We'll be back with more inside the locker room here on ESPN and SNR Radio. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The man, the myth, the legend. Hailing from East McKeesport. Man who's been around the Pittsburgh sports scene forever. (laughs) A guy we love. Would you please welcome Mr. Jerry Dulac, the cool breeze in the locker room. How are you, how you doing there, Cool Breeze? I am fine. I will I have a minor correction. I'm from the south part of McKeesport, so I'm from McKeesport. East McKeesport is a little separate, but, you know, we all get the gist of it. Well, as Tunch Ilkin once said, my worst class was geography because I couldn't find any of my classes at Syracuse. So that just extends to yeah. south McKeesport, east McKeesport. GPS is never my thing. <laughs> well, you know, you know, our dear late friend was a McKeesport resident there for a while, too, as you well know. Yes, yes, absolutely. He was staying with his buddy, I believe, uh, Jerry. Oh, I can't think of his name Jerry right Glusick. now. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Jerry Glusick. In fact, if you recall, several times during the show, uh, Twitch would just kind of inadvertently refer to me, start to refer to me as Jerry Glusick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, Jerry, what's going on in the locker room? What's going on down there on the south side? Well, Wolf, uh, you know, they're wrapping things up for the week. They pushed everything up uh, this week because of the Saturday game. Uh, You know, they've been practicing indoor. 
you know, to prepare for uh, Lucas Oil. You know, Lucas Oil is my favorite venue of everyone in the National Football League. I like, I like its location. I like its appearance from the outside. I like it on the inside. Um, I like everything about it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite venue of all the 32 places in the league. Really, because it's so high up from the booth. I know for you know from the, my perspective of calling the game, it's it's a ways up there, man. It it uh, it rivals yeah. uh, up in Minnesota that stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium. Well, yeah, it's up there, but it's not as high as Kansas City, or at least the new Kansas City setup. It's not as high as the Meadowlands. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean all that aside, uh, that, I mean that's usually uh, you know one of the uh, uh, boxes I need to check. For a game, but I just like. Well, here's the other thing I like about Lucas Oil uh, uh, Wolf, and it's probably why I say this, but it's uh, among the reasons and the chief reason. Uh, the media parking is about 50 feet from the entrance to the stadium, <laughs> which is uh, you know, I mean that's very important for us who travel all the time. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you can't compete. Man, here's the other thing I love about it, Jerry. Since I, you know, because I go there for combine every year. Um, right. So it, do I. Yeah. And so, you know, it's everything's indoor if you want it to be. So weather's never an that's issue right. with getting around there, which is what, what I really love about it. I mean, it is a city that's built for conventions um, no matter the time of year. And so when you think about that, that accessibility, of course, like you said, that accessibility, the spacing that's available in that stadium makes it a very premier place. Um, one of the things that's going to make that, you know, that trip a lot back, more fun. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to interject there to, to echo your point. Um, you know, I've been there for Final Fours. Um, I haven't been there for a Super Bowl, but it is the best big event venue in the country because of what you just said. It's, a, it's an eight-block grid with everything you want right there between hotels, restaurants, bars, and, and from no matter where you stay, you can walk to Lucas Oil Stadium. I think Indy, like I said, is the best big event venue and site in the country. And, uh, yeah, that's the other reason why uh, I don't want to live there, but to me no. it's a great place to, to stage an event. Yeah, and especially when you situate the, that large convention center right as the, as kind of the epicenter right. of everything. And everything right. kind of shoots right. off from there and veins off from there. Um, you know, one of the other things I was going to say, Jerry, is well, what makes this trip to Indy a little bit brighter is the fact that we have a little bit more wattage going, on the, going, going to Lucas Oil. Um, you know, T.J. Watt getting cleared uh, through the concussion protocol. And just kind of, you know, thoughts on, on TJ being available at the outside linebacker position when we know that linebacker in general has been one that's been stretched very thin. Yeah, and that, that's why, uh, Max, you know, just go right across the board and, uh, you know, all the injuries they've had on the interior at that position. And now you have uh, your uh, edge rush duo, arguably the best in the league, uh, in concussion protocol. And to get uh, TJ out of there, um, obviously that's a big deal because that's the last thing you want is more injuries at uh, at linebacker after everything they've had to endure uh, uh, so far, especially just the way they've been crippled in the middle. And and as a uh, you know to 
to that point, Max, and, uh, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir with you guys, you know, hats off to a Landon Roberts and what oh. that guy has done. Uh, being able, you know, going from a guy who, you know, was a rotational guy, uh, some games played 15 snaps, now playing not only every snap, but continuing to play just about every snap coming off a groin injury. I mean, you can't say uh, enough good things about this guy. He's not only the surprise of the year, he is the pleasant surprise of the year for the Steelers. He really is. You know, if you look at the statistics, there's a statistic out there that puts him in the top ten of, of power stoppers or, or, you know, being able to stop a play at the point of attack. It really is interesting. He's really kind of shining here. The other thing that I'm thinking, Jerry, is that I got great hopes for. This Colt defense is everything that the Patriots weren't. This is a bottom 10 rather than a top 10 defense uh, run-stopping power. This is a vanilla, more of a vanilla zone coverage team than one that mixes man coverage in there. This is more of a sit in the, uh, you know, the single high. Uh, with the safety rather than the split safeties. You know, I mean, the opportunities here for, for Mitch to be able to concentrate and be able to have more of a vanilla-type defense that he can operate against gives me hope that, uh, you know, with the extra reps and everything, we're going to see more of what Mitch Trubisky is capable of. Yeah, well, if I would agree with you, I think they should be able, uh, let's face it, they've been running the ball very well, 165 yards, Per game in those previous five games leading up to New England, they only had half that total against the Patriots. But let's face it, when you get behind 21 to three, it's hard to sit there and just re- uh, to uh, and rely on running the football. So I would expect them to be able to do that uh, much much better in this game, and I expect Mitch Trubisky to be better. You know, uh, we heard Mike Tomlin say, and I, you know, I've uh, agreed with this from the get go. He had one day of practice last week, and even at that, in a short week, it's really not a full day of practice. You know, they're they're kind of exaggerated walkthroughs. Right. And but this week, it's a full week of practice. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how many years you've been in the league. Whether it's uh, practice time you get, the better you're going to be. The more comfortable you're going to be. The more cohesive you're going to be with the rest of your guys. So, uh, I don't think there's any question. Uh, he should be better. And, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I know, look, I know he started slow. His first pass was picked off, negated by a penalty. His third pass was almost intercepted. His fifth pass was intercepted and it led to a touchdown. But after that, after that, he settled down. He was 17 at 28, 173 yards, uh, led them to a couple touchdowns. And, hey, I know the bar has been set low. But how often have they scored two touchdowns in a game? That was the first time in five games they were able to do that. So, uh, look, I'm not sitting here pronouncing Mitch Trubisky and the offense ready to rock. But, um, you know, after that start, it was it was moderately better, and I expect it to be much better uh, Saturday. Yeah. Um, you know, Jerry, Jerry one, of, one of the other things that came up, uh, Deontay Johnson uh, missing from from action yesterday, uh, a new knee injury that wasn't on the uh, practice report previous days. Uh, do we know anything as far as about Deontay or has anything been said yet? I know they sped up the process um, for today. No, I, I don't know as of right now, uh, Max. Uh, you know, obviously today, will be a little bit more telling. 
Um, you know, when they put him on the injury report, I didn't know if uh, what, what what actually the injury was, or if it was something something simply as a behavioral pointer. Uh, so, um, but, but we'll see. We'll see uh, where he is. I think today will be a little bit more telling. What it, it, did any of the coordinators speak thus far, Jerry? Yeah, they spoke yesterday, Wolf. Um, you know, um, very vanilla. There's not, you know, there's just not a lot to say. And you saw that even with Mike Tomlin on Tuesday. Right. You can, you can explain, you know, you can't, you could sit there and try and explain away things and what happened, but but why? And even they don't want to do it because it's, look, look the bottom line is they lost to two, two and 10 teams. So right. to sit there and say, well, they capitalized on a turnover with seven points and we didn't. Well, it's not as simple as that. And so to try and explain what's going on, I don't think either had the stomach, uh, you know, uh, to sit there and try to say, okay, you can't really ask them uh, and find out what are you doing well because the reality is when you lose uh, three of your last four games, one to a backup quarterback and two to two win teams, there's there's not a – you know, there's not a lot of breakdown you can do that makes a lot of sense. And so, I, you know, I think their whole approach now is, uh, and, and understandably so, is there's four games left. And let's see what we got these last four games. And, and you know, what's, what's in the past is in the past. Um, and, and you just hope that they, for their sake, that they find something and, and, you know, they have to at least, let's face it, fellas, they have to at least split these last four games. That gets you to 9-8, and eight, but I don't think that gets you in the postseason unless something crazy happens. There's too many teams at 7-6. and six. Now, I know some of those play each other. But to me, they have to win three of their last four games to get into the postseason. And to me, that's going to be a tough, tough task for them. Three of those four games are on the road. That being said, I actually think they're better off playing away from home than uh, playing away from home than at home based on uh, some of their, uh, you know, the negativity that we hear at the stadium these days. No, that, 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 is, that is a poignant point. That's something I've been kind of reverberating as far as for Steeler fans to kind of, you know, operate more in, in positivity than negativity. I get there's a, there's a visceral reaction, but at the end of the day, you're here to support the team. So act as such. Um, Negativity never gets anybody anywhere. Uh, Jerry, last one for me. Uh, you know, as we kind of, you know, look around and and take stock, I think you mentioned it. There's a whole bunch of teams log jam at seven and six. Um, you know, and the Steelers, even after their two-game kind of stumble, um, are still in the playoff picture. They're still on the board as a team that if it ended today would be in the playoffs – uh, what type of hope do you think is in the locker room or sense of urgency there is um, knowing that even though you did that, you still have a chance, you still control your destiny? You know, uh, Max, I kind of I, I kind of think Mike Tomlin delivered that point the other day when he said this is a big game for us, for them, he says, but for us. And and I think they that will be his approach. That will be the, his mindset and his message to the players and to me I think all bets are off for this game um, it's win at all cost uh, because they don't win this you know now I mean if 
pretty much, you know, you've pretty much emptied your hand. Um, then you got to win the final three just to hope you get in. But not only that, you've lost to a team that's in the same uh, same record as you. You lost to an AFC team, which hurts, uh, you hurt your uh, conference record in terms of a tie with teams from other divisions. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that's the way his message and the way they are viewing it is win this game at all costs. And and that includes, and I don't know this, but I think that includes if they struggle in the first half offensively. I don't think Mitch Trubisky's on a short leash. I don't, but it would not at all surprise me based on Mike Tomlin's mindset that if he has to do something like even try Mason Rudolph, I would not rule that out in this game. It is a must-win game for them, not only coming off what they've come off, but also just looking at the overall picture. You know, I think you're exactly correct, Jerry, because you got to put out, pull out all the stops for this week's game. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. You know, as we're we're playing, having some fun a couple segments back, and we were playing the Rocky. Uh, Balboa, you know, Apollo Creed, there is no tomorrow, but there really isn't right. any tomorrow. And one of the things I correlated it to was way back in 84, we, after 13 weeks, Jerry, we were sitting at seven and six. We won three out of the last four, went to the divisional round playoffs in Denver, then ended up, got to the AFC championship game where Dan Marino, right. and, uh, Dan Marino beat us, not the Dolphins, just Marino. I got to tell right. you, he was unbelievable right. that day. But the fact is it can be done. It can be done, and there is that opportunity uh, because of the fact it's been done before. It can be done again. I, I agree with you, Wolf, and I think uh, winning in Indy, uh, you know, will change the, the tone from anger to hopeful uh, among the fan base, um, you know, who have kind of given up on them. Um, but, you know, until, uh, you know, we see it every week. Right. Right. In the NFL. Okay, and look at the Jets beating te- the Texans last week. Not only beating them, scoring 30 points. My God, they had scored 47 points in the previous five games. Uh, 54 points, and now all of a sudden they score 30 in one game. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, Mitch Trubisky said the other day it's a week-to-week league, and that's exactly what it is. So yeah. until it plays out where they are out, then nothing is impossible in this league. Absolutely. Cool breeze. Thank you. Jerry Dulac brought to you from by Archie's on the south side. Get your adult game day beverages there. Some of the finest wings in the city. Get ready for a Steelers kickoff this Saturday at four o'clock. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate you coming in. All right, boys. And as always, I'll see you Saturday at the ball yard. <laughs> Sounds good. That's Thanks, a cool Jerry. breeze. Jerry Dulac. Well, we're going to take a break now. We'll be back with the Bell app. Max is going to bring us home after this. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh yeah, it's bell lap time here in the locker room. All right. Ding, ding. (laughs) That's right. Ding, ding, because there is no tomorrow. 
So let's stay with the Rocky theme. We don't need any lunch bell music. Because it's a it's a football Friday, even though it's a Thursday in the regular week, if we're going off of the calendar. But, you know, I thought it was very, very, very awesome. I, I was trying to come up with a better word, and it didn't pop into my head. So we're going to go with awesome. That Jerry kind of called it. This is the gotta have it moment. This is the, you know, you, if you don't win this game, where are you at as a team? And, and I think it kind of goes with the theme. We've kind of had this entire week, Wolf, that this is the playoff run. This is the start of the playoff run for the Steelers. This is the mindset you have to manifest, create, fabricate, manipulate in your mind, whatever it is. However you get to it, this is a playoff atmosphere mindset that has to go down in Lucas Oil in Indianapolis on Saturday afternoon. There's no question about it. There's no qualms about it. There's no second guessing it. It is what it is. And I think that's kind of what, you know, as we look at this last segment of the week, that's that's the parting message, right? That That is the tale of the tape. (laughs) <laughs> this is it. <laughs> you know, That's all there rubber, is. Right no more. Meat, meat road. Yeah. Right. This is that moment that the Steelers must have, and I think Jerry's very, very apropos. You've got to have three out of the last four, and this oh, has yeah. to be one of those three. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, because three of your last four opponents are also AFC opponents that also have a bid in the playoffs and have a shot. Right. Indianapolis still in the playoff mix. Cincinnati still in the playoff mix. Baltimore leading all of the AFC right now as it stands. So that's three out of your last one. And then Seattle's still fighting for a playoff spot. Now they're going to have a big challenge in front of them going against San Francisco, a divisional opponent. Right. But they're still in it. And I think that's kind of where we have to kind of reside, live, and work within that you got you you got you got to start picking thinning the herd. You got to start picking off some of these contenders that are with you and you have to make them pretenders true and the only way you're going to do that is everybody's got to lock and load and be prepared because this this to me is all about getting off to a fast start and i think once they get to if they can do that i think the rest is just going to fall in line when you start getting that mojination that downhill stuff and uh, the thing is this is a defense that they can get after i really think that they're able to execute and be able to run the ball and quiet the crowd a little bit. And I, I've got great hopes that Mitch is going to be a whole lot better than he was in the first half. As Jerry talked about, the fact that, you know, after that first few series there in the second half, he got warmed up and he got going. The decision-making, especially if you've got a defense that is basically a lot more vanilla than, say, the Patriots were, I think it's an opportunity for them to excel and get after it. And certainly with Gardner Minshew, the only thing Gardner Minshew, in my mind, creates a problem is that he's uh, about 25% of the Colts plays are RPOs and RPOs always make me kind of go hmm because they're just one of those things that it's extremely difficult to defend if somebody's running them as they should in in, in the right way yeah you know no you're absolutely right I mean and, and and here's the other thing I mean the Colts are not without their own issues I mean you already talked about you know, having a backup quarterback, right? Anthony Richardson out for the year uh, from that side. Braden Smith, their starting right tackle, he's going to be down for this game. So look for a rookie in Blake Freeland 
to probably take that position right. um, and slide in at the starter. Um, Jonathan Taylor. No Jonathan Taylor as well. He had thumb surgery, so he'll be out at least another week. Um, defensively, EJ Speed, um, their, their, their weak side backer, one of their blitzing guys, he'll you know, be out. You know who gets me is DeForest Buckner. Oh, is he a problem up front? If it's, he's got a uh, he's got a little back issue going on, but that guy has always been a problem wherever he's been. Yeah, no, I mean you think about the San Francisco days, and yeah, you know the only reason he was he 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 had to leave San Francisco because they couldn't pay everybody. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't pay everybody. <laughs> you know, and, and you know you got to pay a Nick Bosa, you paid a Teron Armstead, right? right? You got to pay Fred Warner. Greenlaw will come do. I mean. There's so many good defensive players on San Francisco, you can't pay them all. And he just happened to be the casualty of, of, of the wallet. Um, but like you said, uh, completely completely worth it uh, defensively, especially in that interior. He's a game record. He's a, he is a big dude as well. That's the other thing. I think, you know, you have to remember, he is not short. He is six foot seven. Yeah. And he's 300 pounds. Yeah. So a very tall, large defensive tackle. But one who can bend. I mean, he really yeah. is, gets in low position, plays low pad level. Um, a very, I'm very much a, you know, a, you watch him. I, I've always thought he was just one of the top defensive tackles in the league for a long time. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I agree. I mean, he, he's a guy that's explosive. And like you said, I mean, the other thing that presents and why I mentioned the six foot seven frame batting down passes in the middle yes yeah um that's one of his calling cards so you know you look at that and that's going to be the that that's probably the big beef eater matchup you know uh quitty pay i don't necessarily put a lot of stock into i think they right. kind of rotate through those guys um Day on that defensive yeah dingbo as well dingbo. um you know <laughs> that, i i'm afraid i'm gonna go Dayo, Dayo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oday Yingbo, he won't get home. home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but also Juju Brent's also another one of their starting corners is down as well. So Ooh, look for yeah. like Darnell Baker to kind of fill in that void or some type of rotation in their secondary. But like you said, very vanilla team, um, and they're, they're not without their own issues. I mean, you know, the one guy I'm always going to look at, Quentin Nelson, and watch that. That matchup between him oh, yeah. and Cam Hayward, they don't like each other. There is no, there is no love lost there, right? Um, right. With, with them, so interesting, fun game. Can't wait to see it um, as as we get ready. And you know, you guys will be taking off from on the team charter. Yes. I'll be flying commercial, and uh, we we will, we will rendezvous in Indianapolis. And can't wait for Saturday. You know, it's been a great week. I know a shortened week for everyone out there. But it's been fun nonetheless. And so he is Craig Wolfley. I'm Max Starks. Wesley Euler, who'll be up next. He's, he's the Euler bomb and also a man of a thousand voices and sounds. Uh, you know, Brian LaMartina, our sensei, of course, Junior Ninja in training, CJ, making it all possible on the back end for us to be on these airwaves. And we thank you, Steeler Nation, for listening in each and every day, week after week during this football season. We appreciate you guys. All right, go and make it a great day.